got friends, only wanna talk business. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I've been reading all the war. And I've been shutting out the stars. Yeah. Cause when it rain, then it pours. Yeah. And I'm ready for some more. Yeah. And I've been reading all the war. Hi, and welcome to Put That Coffee Down. This is the Freight Sales Podcast for Closers. My name is Kevin Hill. I'm the head of research over here at Freight Waves and your host for this show. Joined today by a special, very special guest here, Yusuf Kensei from GBS, or General Brokerage Services, out of New Jersey. We're going to talk about opening up your own freight brokerage, embracing sales, learning about sales, especially if you don't have a background, because it's all about if you're an entrepreneur, if you want to have your own brokerage, if you want to have your own freight tech company, any business whatsoever, you automatically, whether you like it or not, you became a sales person. So, Yusuf, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I, uh, mm-hmm. I literally just put my coffee down. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's always good, you know, put that coffee down. But you can pick it up, actually, because you are a closer. Right, right. Closers can Cheers. pick up the coffee. Cheers. Uh, we met each other for the first time in person last week in Arkansas at the Future of Supply Chain event that we did. Before we get started, what are some of your key takeaways from that? Uh, my key takeaways from that is, first of all, it was very nice to meet you guys and the whole Freight Waves team there. It was an extraordinary event, actually. Well, very well put together. Um, my key takeaways from the event is uh, supply chain is definitely advancing in technology. Um, you know, the paper and the clipboards and tracking and all that is is kind of getting pushed to the side with the growing tech world. And the easier solution is that they can tie in all parts of the supply chain to any 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 sort of uh, operation in terms of you know whether it's manufacturing distribution um inventory levels uh carrier needs uh transloading intermodal needs uh it's it can all be tied together and managed through software that, yeah. that was my biggest takeaway from it and, and, yeah. and the software provides more opportunity to be connected it, it does it, it, it does, and it's it's really reaching throughout the, the entire supply chain. I, I think a, a few years ago, we are focused on transportation logistics, and now to, to see technology really, I, I guess it's always there, but uh, to, to really have it at our conferences in in our world or kind of further up the upstream supply chain, which you have a lot of experience with, Yusuf. I, that, that's your background. Uh, right. Coming from warehousing, etc. Why don't you give our, our listeners a little bit about your background, and we'll position that because what you're doing now is it's quite a bit different. I mean, a little bit different. Let's let's put it that way. Um, but you don't really have a sales background, more operations, more upstream, and how that translates into to, to what you're doing right now. So uh, definitely uh, heavy operations background in uh, warehousing distribution. Always being part of that supply chain. Uh, I guess I won't tell you my age, but since I was 15, I've been in warehousing and, uh, and distribution and then, and then learned about supply chain and, uh, you know, stuck with it. I, I felt uh, it, it really fit my, I guess, work style, I, I guess, my work ethic. I, I really enjoyed being part of 
one part of that supply chain and through my career, you know, um, mm -hmm. whether I'm in the, whether I'm on the back end being the receiver or I'm on the, you know, the middle end being the shipper or I'm on the front end being the procurement and manufacturing, you know, having an overview of that. It was also very interesting to, to see like the life cycle of the supply chain over the last, I'm just going to say 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of change changes, right? Uh, Absolutely. Over the last 25 years. So that is your background, not really a sales background. At all, more no, actually, operations. Um, zero sales whatsoever. I remember years ago, I was offered a sales job. Um, it was pretty good. It was, you know, a, a lot of things were being paid for and the money was good, but I just truly couldn't find myself like sitting in a sales role because I was so operate, operationally enhanced, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, in uh, partnering with my, uh, uh, sorry, I'm just going to start that part over. Yeah. So uh, when I thought about the logistics industry and that part of the supply chain, um, I felt that because I was so operationally enhanced as a broker, I would be able to speak to the different parts of the supply chain to my customers. And I felt that with the expertise I have, and obviously with my background, I can grab the customer's attention and they'll know what I'm talking about as if I'm not just trying to cover your load for you. I'm not just trying to move from point A to point B. Um, maybe there's more I can help you with in, in that consultation of how you manage your inventories or what your distribution times look like. Are you trying to get into just in time or are you holding inventory levels you know, to fulfill? Like that's the kind of stuff I can help customers with um, outside of covering their loads from point A to point B. And, and you're exactly right about that. I, I think, and from my own personal experience and seeing a, a lot of different people, if you've been in their shoes before, you know, if you're selling to what you used to do, I, I used to be a freight broker and now I sell to freight brokers. And right. And, being and, able, the, and yep. sorry about, didn't mean to cut you off there. Um, I mentioned before that I didn't want to take a sales role, right? Because mm -hmm. I felt like I didn't have those, the soft skills or those skills to sell, which, uh, which, you know, a lot of salespeople hats off to them. They're, they are good out there. Um, and others that I've worked with and learned from, but I felt that being operationally enhanced, my, my conversations with the customer, fell into like a natural selling point when I wasn't truly trying to sell, I was offering help to them and finding a solution. And, and, and it turned into the sale. You're exactly right about that. I, I think that is something that if, if you've worked that job before that, and now you're selling into that job, you, it doesn't feel like sales. It, it feels like just talking and, and problem right. solving, which is, is what sales should be. Oftentimes we, we get in sales jobs and we, we, we haven't walked in the other person's shoes, the, the key target market that we are selling to. So it feels forced and it's almost that you do have to force it because you don't, you, you haven't peered behind that, that, that curtain and you're just guessing half the time where if you have experience doing that job, uh, whatever, whatever, you know, as a freight broker, as, as I said, so I know, I, I and I talk to a lot of freight brokers and I understand the business, so I know what freight brokers are looking for, right? There's a number, you know, every freight broker is different, freight brokerage is different, right? But 
the, the problems, there's only a handful of different problems that, that everyone's trying to solve. And they might be solving that in a different way or a different work process, but you can identify that really easy. And it doesn't right. feel like selling nearly as much as going out and selling to a brand new industry that you don't really have a grip of and your key target market, you don't really know what drives them. So it just feels forced. Yeah, you're right about that. And um, you mentioned something just before you talked about, you know, all, all freight brokers may be different from, you know, freight brokers, some of them are the same, some of them are different, some of them have a different approach to helping out their customer or covering their loads. Uh, I guess I'm going to throw this out there too. We're a freight broker, but we have a little bit of twist uh, here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we obviously we can cover any mode of transportation from full trailer load, less than trailer load. We can cover intermodal rail. Uh, we can cover port containers. Um, but there's a thing, there's another service that we offer. We offer uh, 3PL distribution and transloading services in our very own warehouse. Uh, in New Jersey, which is about 15, 20 minutes from the port. So that's, uh, that's the freight broker with a twist, um, you know, mm -hmm. uh, pitch because not a lot of freight brokers have the ability to use assets that they own, uh, to help the customer. Um, the other day I made a post on LinkedIn and when your relationships are so strong with your partner carriers, like you feel like you have your own assets, you know? Mm -hmm. So 50% of my assets, or in warehousing and equipment where I can, since that's my background, I can offer those solutions to my customers who want to hold inventory but don't have the warehouse space or who need to get their container pulled from the port because they're going to face drainage charges or daily daily uh, per diem charges. I can get that container pulled and put it in my warehouse and hold it for a week for free until they figure out how they want to ship it or how they want to distribute these loads. Um, and I think that's where our advantage comes in in my market here in New Jersey. You're exactly right. You call it a twist. I call it a niche. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's, it's a niche, right? It's Absolutely. something that, that you can offer that gives you a competitive advantage. It's something that you can go to, to all your customers, all your prospects, and get in the door with and talk to them about something that uh, that they probably should need, right? And if you, they don't need it, it becomes a much harder sell, right? Sure. You know, and, and that is, is part of the process, too, of learning who to spend your time and devote your energy to when it comes to, to prospecting and customers and who to, to limit your time to. Right. Because if, if someone's Absolutely. And through Jersey and they're, they're not doing uh, the, the, the freight that, you know, goes into your warehouse or that, that really lines up with it nicely, it's time to, to really move on and 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 really focus on the people that, that you can help with your unique niche service, right? Right. And uh, having my niche service uh, kind of also gives me an advantage too. I have, mm -hmm. you know, you develop relationships with brokers. I have broker friends in Chicago and LA. And when they have customers that they need to pull their container, like I help other brokers too. Mm -hmm. um, and I keep it uh, simple. And uh, obviously, I see customer information, right? But that's not my customer. That broker is my customer for this project. So that I, I, I operate very honestly. Um, I don't believe in taking someone else's customer uh, because I'm helping out another broker. Like that, I, we do good business here. We're, we, mm -hmm. we're not, you know, I guess I would say we're not looking to gain customers that way.
because someone else can do that to us, right? So exactly. I do have relationships with other brokers around the country, and they call me for transloading needs, or they call me if they need to get a truck offloaded or repalletized, you know, because the load shifted. So that's another thing we specialize too. So for all you carriers out there or you brokers out there, if you have trucks that need to be uh, reloaded because the load shifted or got refused in uh, New Jersey, North Jersey, feel free to uh, look me up. There you are. You're a salesperson. You're a salesperson. <laughs> okay, it's, it, it just comes naturally, I guess. Like you said, it's talking, you know? Yeah. What are, yeah so, so you're in operations. You start your own business. Uh, you can say I'm just operational. But if you start your own business, you have to be in sales. If you're not in sales, you're not going to be in business very long. That's what I found out and, and talked to a lot of people during the years. So when you made that transition, what's the one thing that you forced yourself to learn really quickly because you knew you had to do this? Walking in the door and introducing myself. That's good. I that think that good. was the hardest hurdle, right? Because mm -hmm. usually... Like if I work at a car dealership, a customer walks into my dealership and says, hey, I want a car. <laughs> Perfect. You came to the right spot, right? Yep. Um, finding those customers who uh, would require my services and walking in or scheduling an appointment with them to start and walking in and introducing myself. I think that was operational as, as, a, as a guy with a heavy operations background, I never had to do that, right? The work always came to me. The trucks always came to me. Either you're unloading, loading, doing inventory, or moving things with the forklift around the warehouse to get it to a machine or what have you. So um, that was probably my biggest, I don't know. I don't know if I would call it fear, but I thought like walking in, what does, why is this customer going to want to say, oh, hi, Yusuf, come on in and sit. Let's talk, mm -hmm. you know? So that was my biggest, I would say, learning curve or hurdle. Well, it's rejection, right? You know, the, the awkwardness <laughs> or uncertainty, fear, you can call it what, whatever, but it, it's, it's rejection. And it's something yeah. that all salespeople go through. Um, you, you can know, you could be the best at what you do. You'd be the most knowledgeable. You have the best product, best service. But if you can't go out and sell it and, and make new connections, it doesn't matter. You're just not going to, to, to make it that far. Oftentimes you see not the best product that, that wins the rights. It's the, the best marketing and sales that, that wins the rights. Right. And, and that was that was the hurdle I had to realize and, and absorb, you know, if I wanted to be successful. How did you get over the hump? How, how did you force yourself to, 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 to keep so, talking? Um, on believe it or not, YouTube's a great tool. Yeah. You know, I know there's maybe a YouTube plug, but it's a great tool. There's a lot of uh, sales techniques. There's a lot of motivational mm -hmm. videos in terms of, you know, sales. And there's a lot of marketing points and data that you can learn from people who've done it before. I mean, I know they say like how to videos, you know, get the most views, but, you know, which how to video are you going to watch? So that, 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 that point in learning as fast as possible. Uh, helped me out a lot. And there's also, you know, podcasts that we listen to. Um, definitely your podcast, Put That Coffee Down, and other podcasts, industry podcasts that you learn from that you can offer these mm -hmm. little niche information or information that the customer may not know, right? So number one, obviously, from an operations background, you know what you're talking about. And number two is just how to approach that customer. And believe it or not, YouTube was a great learning um, 
I guess, experience for me and breaking that sales, I, I guess that door, opening that door to realize what my sales and marketing approach would be. Yeah, you know, I did the same thing. Whenever I started uh, Carrierless, I, you know, it's I, I had a sales background, but I had to learn how to, to sell online, to, to, to do a different kind of sell. And I went to YouTube and I watched hours upon hours upon hours. And it really helped me out tremendously. Who was your favorite? Uh, out of the maybe the YouTube stars uh, that you, you, were you know, watching. the thing is, like, I, I felt, I felt, I felt like there was um, some traps on YouTube. So you got to watch out for who you're watching. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. A lot of them are just want to sell you this and join their mm-hmm. training program or what have you. But if you actually really watch like live seminars with these Fortune 500 companies, a lot of their sales seminars, um, mm-hmm. uh, where their sales reps and executives would come up and talk about how they became, overcame that barrier. Those were the those were the most beneficial for me. Okay, that's good. That's good to know. I I, I probably watched a few of those, but uh, you know Gary Vee, Grant Cardone. There's a few out. Gary there. Gary Vee's awesome. Gary yeah. Vee is definitely one of the top five out there, especially yeah. when it comes to getting out of your comfort zone and just doing it, you know, mm-hmm. getting off your chair, doing it, opening that door, stepping out of your car, walking in. And let's talk about that because that's, that's a really good point, Yusuf. Uh, one that I hadn't thought about in, in a while is living your life outside your comfort zone. You know, living every day outside your comfort zone is, is so important because all of a sudden you get outside your comfort zone and, and over time that becomes your comfort comfort zone so you right, have to right, keep right, moving right. outside of that to, to keep building and growing right right i mean put me on a forklift or in a warehouse and i don't even have to think about what i'm doing mm-hmm. because i'm like you know so so uh in that comfort zone um but you're right stepping out of that comfort zone is challenging to a lot of people actually and once you learn how to and realize what your objective is and stick to your objectives and always come up with new ways to uh, achieve your objectives. I think that's what keeps it fresh and out of your comfort zone to the point where it almost becomes interesting. It almost becomes fun to do it, you know, because you're stepping away and you're doing something else and you're like, I'm going to overcome this. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to step into here. I'm going to introduce myself. I made the appointment already. They want to talk to me. They want to hear what I have to say. So constantly challenging yourself, to achieve your objectives definitely helps you get out of your comfort zone. It, it does. And, and, you know, this always sounds harsh and harsh, but it, it's true, right? If you live within your comfort zone 24-7, never get out, at best you're going to be average. You're, you're never going at to best. be anything at best. Never going to be anything more than, than average. And I, I think that's the reason why if, if you look at the bell curve of, of people, success, anything, you're going to have the, the meteor part is most of the population, which makes makes it average. And an average means not growing, not having a growth mindset. And it, it does, it, it directly correlates with, with, with results getting outside of your comfort zone. Absolutely. And when you say comfort zone, some people naturally may fall into a comfort zone not knowing, right? So mm-hmm. if I'm getting a weekly paycheck, and my base salary is this, and I sit in an office and I'm doing my job. Hey, as long as you're happy with that and that keeps you, your family fed, your roof over your head, and you're comfortable with that lifestyle, that may be a comfort zone mm-hmm. you may not be aware of. You may have more potential than, uh, than, than what you're currently doing, right? But what forces me, what forced me or what would force somebody to get out of their comfort zone 
is relying on themselves to generate that or to get mm-hmm. that weekly paycheck and that revenue coming in uh, because there's no anybody. boss above you mm-hmm. saying, here's your weekly paycheck. Thanks for clocking it, you know? So yep. it kind of lights the fire under you to uh, start getting out there, making money, meeting people and trying to help them out, you know? Yeah, there's no greater motivator than being on a 100% commission, which if you open up your own business, you're on a 100% commission, maybe 180 not 180%, <laughs> you have to make double just to get on a 100% right. commission, right? Because a lot of it just goes out the door. It goes to, to other people, goes to other suppliers, other vendors, carriers, right? Uh, so you have to make a lot more to, to bring up anything. But over time, you see the results. Absolutely. Yeah. And going back to, to, to comfort zone, um, I think it is. I, I think it's so important to, to get outside your comfort zone, even if you have a job, right? Is it to get out of your, your comfort zone and grow, especially in a sales role? In a sales role, you have to get outside. You have to do things that make you anxious and nervous, uh, especially when, when you look at successful salespeople and they're doing it, but you're scared to do it. It should be a right. big green light to go ahead and start doing those types of things. Part of that's public speaking. Part of that is knocking on doors, picking up the phone. Uh, because that's where results go. And over time, you're going to conquer it or it's going to conquer you, right? But if you if you have that growth mindset, if you really want it, you'll conquer it. You'll always find a way. Absolutely. And I think it also would make people realize the potential they didn't think they had. Mm-hmm. Right? Stepping exactly out of the comfort right. zone. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, the, there's no, better, no better way to succeed than always – be willing to, to to get outside your comfort zone. And the, you said it, Yusuf, uh, the, the more you do it, the more fun it begin, becomes, right? Because you see the results. After you do it a little bit, you see the results. And you're like, okay, I, I want yeah, to do something, I, something talk crazy. About your, heart, your heart racing in the beginning and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, you know, and, you know, eventually that becomes you want that again. You know, you want that feeling again because you can you can handle it better. You, you have more experience in it. You can't. Three years ago, I, I I got on stage at a Freight Waves conference, and I wasn't used to public speaking. I wasn't. I wasn't. I was nervous. I, I was. I was really nervous, and exhilaration came afterwards. Right. So, right. The, the the same intensity of fear and nervousness beforehand, after I got down, uh, was was replaced with the same intensity with with just really great feelings. Right. I think you hit it on the head right there. You definitely mm-hmm. hit the nail on the head right there. Absolutely. That fear um, turns into enjoyment and celebration mm-hmm. afterwards. Absolutely. With the same intensity, if same not intensity. more intensity. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so if, if you're scared to death to do something or if you're really nervous about it, anxious about it, just 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 think about after you do this, it's going to be the same intensity of, of happiness, of joy, exhilaration, uh, a natural high. Hundred percent, and you hit a soft spot with me there when you said that because that was something I realized afterwards. Right, mm-hmm. you go in with you know you're fearful when you come out, you feel like a champion. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that feeling replaces all the rejection, all the people who say no to. Oh, hundred percent. Right? Yeah, I, it really does. Um, so, on your journey, what, what are some other lessons that 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 you've kind of learned? Not sales, entrepreneurship, that. Um, that you didn't expect, but you had to overcome to succeed. And it's, it's a great lesson for everybody else out there. 
Uh, I think listening mm-hmm. is very important, right? Because mm-hmm. what I what I originally when I when I first stepped out there, I, I just wanted to tell people about what I do. Yeah. Right. Like, hey, this I can help you with this. I can do this. I I can cover anyone can cover a load. Right. Um, so the customer just doesn't want to just hear you. Right. I would. And I, I realized they say God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. Right. So yeah. you have to be able to listen to your customers and find their need, not just go in and say, hey, LTL, FTL, rail, flatbed, reefer. I can do it. Like, Listen to what your customers need from you and how you can help them. Yeah, I, I think that's... And, and that uh, makes a more personable experience um, in engaging in business with them. And that's a lesson that, that you learn over time, too, is just because you, know, you live it day in, day out, your business, right? Or, or right. your business, your sales role, that, that's not the first thing that people want to hear come out of your mouth. And you have to be patient. And that takes time. It takes time to be patient, um, I, I, anyone out there, I would say, be patient. Just because you go to a conference and you meet somebody doesn't mean that you start pitching them. Right. right? It's, it's it's the same thing on social media, right? You don't connect with, with people on LinkedIn or, or Twitter or whatever and start pitching them. Uh, it, it's a it's a dance. It's a dance you Absolutely. do. Uh, and you're both vetting each other out and, you know, talking about, and talking about topics that, that people care about the market, the freight market, you know, kind of what their business is, listening to them and really taking your time to, to, to do anything, but offer advice first, offer advice that has, isn't really tied to, to what you're offering and, and go from there. And it's a, uh, it's a dance. Yeah, absolutely. I find that help too. Um, I have a pharmaceutical customer who initially told me they weren't looking for another freight broker, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't want to take on anybody new. Um, and then I have dealt with them in the past before in my manufacturing days, um, but I was able to help them outside of just wanting to be their broker because mm-hmm. I, I knew what kind of supply and everything that they were you know, coming in and I, I knew somewhat of their operation. So when I was able to just help them with other, I guess, consultation with other needs in their warehouse or their manufacturing or their packaging um believe it or not within that three weeks or four weeks of being patient they're probably not one of my best customers yep yep and it just naturally came on i just naturally Mm -hmm. came on board to cover their loads which initially you know i was just talking with my mouth and not hearing what their issues were i was turned away and after further yeah. conversations and, you know, patience and helping them out with other things, you may say, why am I even doing this? Like, how is this? Uh, like, I'm wasting my time here. There's no revenue to be made. But be patient. Listen to them. You know, offer the advice that you you know. Not don't, And be transparent. Don't try to talk about things you're not aware of. Mm-hmm. That can hurt them and that's going to hurt you. So I, I felt that, you know, like you said, patience. I felt the patience and understanding and listening to my customer and offering the advice I knew to, that would help them because it, it was proven in the past. Like I said, now I'm probably one of their best brokers, if not the only one, and they're one of my best customers. You're exactly right uh, about that. And is this something that you kind of, you kind of, whenever you started G, GBS, right? 
and, and you had the idea. Well, let's just say the idea before you even started it. And, and you're out talking to everybody about it. Uh, you can see it really clear in your mind. And just because you can see it really clear in the mind doesn't mean everyone else can. And certainly that it's going to happen today or tomorrow, right? It's very long term. And I think that experience helps out tremendously when it comes to having patience. Because I told a lot of people about my business idea and, you know, everyone told me why it wouldn't work. And I, I just went on through that and people came around, you know, once they started seeing it work or, or having, I, I guess my, my, my whole point is that people, just because you say it and you can see it in your mind doesn't mean that it's going to happen instantaneously. Sometimes it no, takes, right. takes a little bit for whoever you're talking to, let's say a prospect or, or a customer to, to actually start having those problems or start running into issues. And then they need to ask somebody, but you've given them information in the past and advice. Who are they going to pick up and, and call? It's going to be you. Right. And like you said, people come around. So your first interaction that you have with them, it doesn't have to end there. Right. Mm -hmm. um, offer, offer the information that you know you can um, help them with. And, and like they'll eventually come around if they have somebody they're already working with that they're happy with. Uh, like I picked up a few customers who I met, I met and spoke with them once, told them I'm a freight broker. And then six weeks later, they're, you know, whoever carrier or freight broker they're working with couldn't cover their load. So mm -hmm. they came around, Hey, Yusef, I need help getting this load from A to B. No one else can really cover it for me or their prices are just too astronomical for me. Can you help me in this situation? So that's where you have to capitalize too. Yes. Um, absolutely. Help them out in that situation. Give them a decent rate, market rate, uh, not price gouge them, and just really help them through. And once they see that you spent your time, um, your dedicated time in helping them and covering their, you know, a load is always urgent, right? Um, uh, when it comes down to the wire, once they see that, and they see the transparency and, and the honesty that you're you're in your language. They come around. They do. They they, they do. It's a long game, right? You Absolutely. know, if you're if you're always uh, worried about this month or this quarter, and that drives your decision making. Uh, you, you see that in the financial markets all the time. That's how co public companies get in trouble. Is making decisions based on this quarter's earnings. If you're doing that, you're not building a sustainable sustainable business. You always have to think one, two, three years out with, with every decision. Definitely. You're right about that. Yep. Well, Yusuf, thanks uh, so much for joining us today on Put That Coffee Down. It's been an enjoyable conversation. How does our listeners uh, reach out and learn more about GBS and yourself and, and this warehousing, transloading, and, so, and uh, other So our website, uh, I'll uh, – tell you guys about the website it's www.generalbrokeragservices.com um our it guys should be having it finished up this week actually uh in full operation or you can email support at generalbrokeragservices.com or look me up on linkedin um www.linkedin forward slash yk the broker and i'd be glad to help you out and for those listeners out there who like to pick up the phone and call our phone number is 973-785-3333. Perfect. Thank you very much, Yusuf. Uh, take care, and we will see you again very soon. Woo!
Thank you very much, Kevin. I appreciate it. No, you don't. Here I come. Cheers. No, you don't.